So this is the uh, closing evening for our program, uh, Prophecy Seminar, Living Without Fear. As I was preparing this last uh, presentation, I was, I was thinking about the ways people, people are dealing with fear in different cultures and different um, uh, times of history. Uh, for example, when I was growing up, um, the things I heard uh, were like this. Okay, we're going to be the society of a um, science and progress. We're going to be able to, um, to get a hold of anything in the world and uh, we'll be able to conquer everything. So there, there should be no fear. We're going to be in charge. Now we are able to harness atom and nuclear energy so we can, we can use it and um, uh, convert it to electricity and so forth. And then we can um, take the big rivers and also... Uh, use the power of the water and, and convert it to electricity and we can uh, get to space. And so by, by the way of <laughs> progress and uh, advancement in every area, we will overcome fear. But the reality of, of, of the society um, revealed a deep-seated problem. The emptiness of a soul and the and fear that was beneath that um, polished or uh, projected uh, surface. And unfortunately, many people were dealing with, with that inner problem by drinking more, by getting into the habits of drinking, smoking, and uh, life expectancy in the former Soviet Union was going down every year because of those, those bad habits. Now, when you think about the Western society, how people are dealing with fear in the Western societies like Western Europe, Australia, United States of America, Canada, etc. So, what is the way that people are dealing with fear in these countries? What I've noticed is that a lot of times people are addressing these problems by basically saying, okay, if I can be confident enough in myself, if I really believe in myself, I can achieve anything. If I really have a good confidence and I, I master my own strength, I kind of pull myself up, nothing can be in my way. I will be the most successful person in the world. All I need to do is just master up all I have inside and there are many books on self-help and how to develop yourself and how to basically, um, you know, raise your self-esteem. And then you will be okay. But then what do we see? Unfortunately, if you see the, the depression rates and compare depression rates of developed countries and, and compare it to the third world countries, Maybe they don't do the right statistics, but even, even by going to different countries, I've noticed that there is higher level of depression in, in the Western culture than in the rest of the world. So how, how is that happening? Well, we still have our fears. Uh, fear is part of life. So what are 
the things that we are afraid of. What are the phobias of modern society? Well, different statistics will give you different results, but I see that on the top of the list, it's usually public speaking, which I'm doing right now, and um, uh, there, is a, there is a level of fear there too, but um, the second one is spiders and snakes and all kinds of bugs, and maybe a virus comes into this category. And then people are afraid of um, things like accidents and uh, plane crashes, and um, then you will find different phobias of heights and uh, um, losing a relative or losing a kid. Um, those those are, are the fears that people are dealing with today. In 2020, interesting enough, one of the fears that went up high to almost to the top <clears throat> was the fear of the outcome of election of 2020 in the United States of America. There are several, uh, certain fears that teenagers are dealing with. It's a fear of fitting in. It's a fear of poverty. Uh, there is a fear of uh, climate change and what will happen to, to the earth that um, teenagers are experiencing according to these uh, reports. There is a fear of <clears throat> being alone. There is a fear of failure that people, um, especially teenagers, um, have that fear. There is substantial evidence that indicates that women report greater fear and more likely to develop anxiety disorders than men. Interesting that Democrats are more fearful than Republicans. And the most searched phobia in 2020, you would not believe it. It's a fear of other people. That never happened before, that people were afraid so much of other people. So those are the fears and the ways that people are trying to deal with fears. Now the question is, are we capable to to live without fear? Are we capable to harness this thing, fear, and, and fix this problem and go on without, without being fearful anymore? Is there, a way, is there a way to handle it? Is there a way to cope with fear and overcome it? Now, in the book of, in the, in the Gospel of Luke, we read that Jesus says that the hearts of men will be failing for fear. And there will be perplexity, and there will be anxiety, and there will be depression. So point is, regardless of all the attempts people have to fix the problem of fear, we as humans are incapable of living without fear. We are incapable of fixing this problem of fear. So where is the solution? What is what is the remedy? What is the remedy for fear, friends? I believe there is only one remedy. I believe there is a remedy that Jesus is talking about in Gospel of John, chapter 14, verses 1 and 3. He says, let not your heart be troubled. That's fear. He's talking about fear. What is the solution? According to the words of Jesus, are we going to master up all our strength? Are we going to decide we're going to conquer the world and then we will be fine? No, he says. Here is the solution. You, you believe in God. Here is the solution, friends. Jesus says, you believe in God. The remedy for fear 
according to the words of Jesus, is not even courage. The remedy for fear is not even wisdom. The remedy for fear is not even your <clears throat> ability to have confidence in yourself. The remedy for fear is faith. Because the opposite of faith is fear. So when I'm fearful, I'm aware that my faith and trust level has been diminished. The more fearful I am, the less faith in God I have. And the more faith in God I would have, the less fear I would experience. We cannot get rid of fear. <clears throat> fear will always be part of life. Living without fear is basically living with faith that overcomes and overpowers that fear. Jesus says, let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. I will come again, he says, and receive you to myself that where I am, there you may be also. There will be time when there will be no more fear. There will be no more anxiety. It will be perfect peace and joy forevermore in the presence of Jesus himself. But if you... If, if we look at the Bible, I can give you a Bible study in one minute. The whole Bible is this way. First three chapters of the Bible describe how the paradise was lost. And the last three chapters of the Bible describe the paradise restored. And what is in between? In between, we are living in fear. We struggle. And God is reaching down to us with all of his power, all of his love, and all of his strength, and all of his wisdom, with one purpose, to bring us home. And during those ages, and years, and moments, and days, he wants you and me to believe in Him and look forward to that wonderful promise of His second coming. That's your Bible in one minute. Three first chapters, paradise lost. Three last chapters, paradise restored. In between, we have a great controversy. And in that controversy, we need to hold on to God by faith, trusting in His promises, because he is faithful. So in our, in our seminar, we looked at the time period that in the Bible is called, um, with this term, we notice that there is a last prophetic marker in the Bible that is given. It's 1844. Last prophetic marker. The last prophetic date. There is no other date given in the Bible beyond that. And... Um, we were talking about this period of time that brings us to the second coming of Jesus. And we do not have a date. Nobody has a date. We're not setting a date here. Nobody knows a date. 
But we were looking at some events that are happening during this period of time that are very significant. We were talking about the judgment that is taking place. We were talking about the three angels' messages. Or rather, three angels' message going out to the world. It's that voice from heaven, I care about you, I love you. Worship him who created heaven and earth. What else is happening during this time? Well, we were talking about, about the time of sealing. Oops. We were also talking about, um, we were talking about uh, the land beast. We are talking about the land beast of Revelation 13 it comes to power. We're talking about the events taking place and the, the great controversy intensifies the closer we get to the second coming of Jesus. And as we get closer, we know that there will be there will be society will be changing towards rejection of God and atheism. We were talking about atheism and we see it happening in our world today. Let me see if I can write it better. And we see atheism becoming more and more popular. And as a response to atheism, there will be a false revival which will be part of the activity of the second beast of Revelation well, let's see. We have false revival. Because if you read about the second beast of Revelation, it's a, it's a religious aspect of revival, but it's not a true revival. There is a lot of deception. The revival that is based on signs and miracles and so forth. And then it talks about creating mark of the beast to force everybody to worship according to the first beast of Revelation. So mark of the beast is enforced. I'll just say mark here. And at this time, the decisions are being made by people to join one side or the other side of this great controversy. We know there is a seal of God. It's a seal of His character. It's a seal of belonging to God. It's a sign of his creative power, which is the Seventh-day Sabbath. As a response to the message, worship him who created heaven and earth, God's people around the world will be receiving this message and taking their stand on the side of God. God is not forcing anybody to receive his seal. But the enemy, according to the revelation, will make and force people to receive his mark. At this point, the decisions will be made for eternity. I want to draw the line here because this is a critical point. The Bible talks about this in Revelation 22:11. It says, He who is unjust, let him be unjust still. He who is filthy, let him be filthy still. He who is righteous, let him be righteous still. 
He who is holy, let him be holy still. We see that the society is now uh, forever divided and sealed. The destinies of people are sealed for eternity. It's just like the ark. When Noah um, built his ark and God marched all the animals inside the ark and then God closed the door of the ark, you remember there was no rain for seven days. Noah and his family, they were just inside the ark for seven days without rain. So for people outside, they didn't see any difference. Everything was the same. Except they thought this stupid Noah, they, he locked himself up in the ark with all of those animals. What is he thinking? But notice the door. The door was already closed. It already separated the world in two groups for seven days before it started to rain. The same way when the mark of the beast will be enforced, there will be people who will follow the system. They will choose safety and security of the system of the beast and will receive the mark. But things outside will be going as usual. But eternal destinies of people will be sealed. That's why it's so important. When you hear the message, fear God and give glory to him, for the hour of his judgment has come, and worship him who created heaven and earth. It's so important for us to respond to that message today. By choosing to worship the creator on the day he set aside, so we don't have to wait until that time. Because when things start happening, their deception will be so strong that it says he will try to deceive even the elect, even those who will receive the truth and will, will believe it. They will be tempted to go with the flow because it will look so deceptive. So here we have the mark of the beast being enforced. And then after the mark of the beast is enforced and God's people are persecuted, God responds. And God's response is found in Revelation 16, which is seven last plagues. So we have last plagues here. We have fall of Babylon. The plagues and everything, and, and, the, and it says the darkness covered the, uh, the throne of the beast and everything. Uh, it brings a, a total collapse and the fall of Babylon that is described in Revelation 18. We see the fall, fall of Babylon. And then we come to this point, which is the second coming of Jesus. God's people will be here through this time. They will not be raptured. They'll be here all the way through those times. But the seal of God will protect them. They will be preserved in a way. We don't know exactly how things are going to happen, but we know one thing, that God will shorten those days for the sake of, the, of, the, um, of his people. He will shorten those days. The deliverance for God's people, it says it will be coming from the east. Why from the east? Well, when Cyrus came to Babylon, he came from the east. When Jesus talks about his second coming, he says, 
The coming of a son of man will be like lightning that comes from the east and goes across the sky to the west. So the messages from the east in Daniel chapter 11 is none other than the message and announcement about the coming of, of our Lord Jesus Christ. Jesus will come as he promised. He said, I will come again and receive you to myself that where I am, you may be also. This is the blessed hope. This is how we deal, are we dealing with fear by believing in the words of Jesus. Yes, the times will be difficult. Yes, the things will get harder. Friends, the things will get harder. Just like it gets darker before the dawn. But God says, I will see you through. I will bring you through those times and I will see you through because I have redeemed you. I have called you by name. You are mine. So what are the events before the, when, when Jesus comes? What will happen when Jesus comes to this world? Well, in, in the first Thessalonians, chapter 4, 4 and verse 17, 1 Thessalonians 4.17, it says that the Lord himself will descend from heaven with a shout and with the voice of the archangel. Let's go to Thessalonians chapter 4. And verse 17, let me see if I can open my slide here. So we are in 1 Thessalonians, so I can show it to you. 4 and verse 16 and 17, Jesus is giving us that hope. He's giving us that promise that we can hold on to. For the Lord himself will descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of the archangel and with the trumpet of God. And the dead in Christ will rise first. Then we who are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And thus we shall always be with the Lord. I want you to notice the, uh, the order of things that he, he is describing here. If we, if we look at the, at the timeline of the second coming of Christ, we are in this very second coming of Christ. Um, what, what is he saying in his word? What are we reading about? The Lord, it says, let's say, Sound of the trumpet. Sound of the trumpet. Then we read about the Lord descending on the clouds. Descending on the clouds. And dead, dead are, dead are resurrected. And then they're gathered. To meet with the Lord in the air. Why is this so important for us? Why do we need to look at this order? Because many people, I would say, 
85, 90% of the Christian world today, they believe that the rapture or the gathering to the Lord is happening before the second coming. I want you to see the order of things happening at second coming. We hear the sound of the trumpet. Jesus is descending on the clouds. The dead in Christ are raised first, it says. And we who are alive, I can add here, the um, living ones, living ones are transformed. And then they are gathered together. And then they are taken to be in heaven. So this is the order we just described that, is, that we find in 1 Thessalonians 4, 16, 17. This is the order of events. Why is it helpful for us? Because the false theories of the day about rapture will play into the deceptions of the last days to deceive, if possible, even the elect. But we are studying the word. We're just opening the Bible to see what, the, what Scripture teaches us regarding the second coming of Christ. Let's look at several other scriptures like Mark 13 and verses 24, 24 25 to see what, what is the order of events again when Jesus is talking. Is rapture coming before his second coming or after? Let's see. But in those days, after that tribulation, the sun will be darkened. Oh, it's a new element here. So we can add to our graph here the sun, sun, moon, and stars. There are special signs and events that are happening in the heavenly bodies. So Jesus is saying, and he says that the sun will be darkened. It says, oh, there is one more thing. After that tribulation, we missed it. So let's go back and add one more thing. There is a time of trouble. The tribulation that Jesus is talking about. So you see the, the believers are not raptured before the time of trouble. Notice the order of events that Jesus is talking about in Mark 13. He says, but in those days, after that tribulation, the sun will be darkened and the moon will not give light and stars of heaven will fall and the powers of heaven will be shaken. So we are right here. So far we are in the time of the tribulation and sun and moon and stars, they, um, they show special signs. And then we are continuing in, Mark, in, in, in Luke 13. Um, in Mark 13, rather, it says in verses 26 and 27, Then they will see the Son of Man coming in the clouds with great power and glory. And then he will send his angels and gather together his elect from four winds. So what is the order in Mark? We see tribulation, we see sun, moon, and stars, and then they will see the Son of Man coming in the clouds with great power and great glory. So we see a glorious event of second coming, and when is the gathering of the redeemed happening? And then he will send his angels and gather together his elect from the four, four winds. Do you see that Paul in Thessalonians and Mark here recording Jesus' 
sermon, he's giving us the same order. Let's check with Luke, if Luke is on the same page. Same verses, talking about the same time, but now from Luke. Let's read it. And there will be signs in the sun, in the moon, and in the stars. He's talking about the same thing. Just before the second coming. You see, there is a precursor of these events when we see things happening around 1800s. When the judgment is beginning, it was a partial revelation of God's judgments, and there were signs in the sun and the moon. But before the coming of Jesus, these events will be of the worldwide magnitude in a, in a more powerful way than we can imagine. And then it says, On the earth, distress of nations with perplexity, and sea and the waves roaring. So he's talking about things in nature. He's talking about more uh, things here. We can add to our graph. He's talking about what? He's talking about perplexity. He's talking about perplexity. Did I say it right? Not sure. And more fear. Even more fear. So things are going out of control. And it says here that men's hearts failing them from fear. Verses 27, 28. Then they will see the Son of Man coming in a cloud with a power and great glory. Now when these things begin to happen, look up and lift up your heads because your redemption is near. So you, here is an appeal included in Luke. And what is the appeal? It's, what is a call to action? The call to action is not to be afraid. The call to action is not to focus on fear, but to focus on the promise of the second coming. It says, lift up your heads, because your redemption is drawing near. Again, the remedy for fear is not gathering up your strength. It's not running away from fear. It's not pretending fear doesn't exist. The remedy for fear is faith. It's believing in the second coming of Jesus. I like the name of our church, Seventh-day Adventists. Because our name, it points to the two greatest events in history. First, seventh day, it points to the creation week and the memorial of creation to show us that God is the one who created us. He is the one that we belong to. He will care for us. He'll provide for our needs. He is the loving, caring, creator God. Seventh day is a reminder of that. And then Adventists comes from the word Advent, the second coming of Jesus. Yes, he was born as a baby. Yes, he lived and died on the cross. He rose again. But he's coming again. Your redemption is drawing near. This is our hope. This is our faith. This is what we believe. This is what gives me hope and strength. When in this world we, we are facing discouragement, we are facing things that cause us to be sad and they cause us to be disappointed, God knows our tears, God knows our fears, He knows everything. And we have something to look forward to. We can look forward to the great day of the Lord, his second coming. And then when he comes, it says in Paul, Paul's writings, 1 Corinthians 15, 51, it says, Behold, I tell you a mystery. You shall not <clears throat> all sleep. You shall not all sleep. It's talking about the death sleep. 
but we shall all be changed in a moment, in a twinkling of an eye, at the last trumpet. For the trumpet will sound, and the dead will be raised imperishable, and we shall be changed. So when Jesus comes, the redeemed will be coming from two groups. There will be a group of people that is raised from the dead. The dead are being resurrected. Those who, are, who died in Christ, who committed their lives to Christ, their destiny was sealed. And those who are alive, and they have received the seal of the living God, and they have committed their lives to Jesus, they'll be changed. They're being transformed. When? At the last trumpet. When Jesus is descending from the, uh, on the clouds, the, the living ones are being transformed. And only after that, they're being gathered together and taken up with Jesus. This is... <laughs> This is rapture, but it's not a secret rapture. It's a powerful and glorious rapture after the last trumpet, after the second coming of Jesus. That's when the rapture is happening according to the Bible. And Jesus was warning in Matthew 24. He actually said that, let nobody deceive you. See, when Jesus comes the second time, according to the Bible, his feet are not touching the ground. He's not going to be walking on the streets of New York. He's not going to be walk, walking on the streets of any other big city in the world and just healing people. And it will not be Jesus. It may be an attempt by signs and miracles that Satan will try to deceive people in the last days. But Jesus tells us in Matthew chapter 24. Then if anyone says to you, look, here is Christ, or there, do not believe it. For false Christ and false prophets will rise and show great signs and wonders to deceive, if possible, even the elect. See, Jesus will not be walking on the earth when he comes the second time. In Thessalonians, we read that the meeting of Christ and his people will be happening in the air. Jesus will be descending, but not quite. His feet are not touching the ground. Those who are raised from the dead, they're being caught up together to meet the Lord in the air. And then Jesus takes them to heaven for a thousand years. Only after a thousand years in heaven with Christ, the redeemed with the holy city will be descending on the earth when the earth is renewed and restored to its original state. Because in 2 Peter 3.13 we read, But in keeping with promise, we are looking forward to a new heaven and a new earth where righteousness dwells. So the promise of eternity, the promise of eternal life, it's the promise connected with new heaven and new earth. See, Bible is not teaching that when we die, we go to heaven and we'll be just enjoying some kind of uh, um, bodiless, some kind of a, a spiritual kind of existence only and uh, being there on, in heaven forever as bodiless spirits. The Bible doesn't teach that. See, Peter is talking about new heaven and new earth. He's talking about real things. Just like a first earth was created perfect for Adam and Eve. The Bible says in the book of Isaiah, it was, it was created for them to be inhabited. It was created for them to, to be enjoyed. 
So God will recreate and restore the first dominion. The original dominion that he created for Adam and Eve will be restored forever. That's the hope that we have. And we will be... See, the Bible is very specific when it comes to resurrection. When it comes to resurrection and eternal life, there are always bodies mentioned. Because guess what? There is no bodiless person in heaven. Let me repeat it. You will not find in the Bible one person that is in heaven without a body. How do we know that? It says even, even about Moses, the Satan was contending with Michael about what? About the body of Moses. When Elijah was taken to heaven, was he taken with his body? Yes, absolutely. When Christ is coming to, uh, to bring his, his children home, is he taking their spirits or they're resurrected with their bodies? Yes, they're resurrected. They're given new bodies. The bodies that don't know anything about pains and aches and aging and all of those things. There is going to be no more death, no more sickness, no more old age. And God will wipe away every tear from their eyes, it says. I am looking forward to that day. I have loved ones that the death took prematurely. My brother was killed in a car accident when he was only four and a half years old. I want to meet my brother. I want to see him. I want to see my loved ones. And God is telling me that don't let your heart be troubled. Don't let fear overtake you over about any of these things because you believe in God. Believe also in me. Believe in my promises. Or it will be such a great day. Just a week before my father passed away, we talked to him. And the pastor from the Slavic church, Pastor Slavic, came and he was visiting with my dad. And my dad re re reaffirmed his faith by saying that I look forward to the day when Jesus comes. And he said, it will be a great celebration. <laughs> he said, it will be a huge celebration. And I believe it will be a great celebration. Just think about families being reunited. Just think about new bodies that will know no sickness and death. The eye have not seen and ear have not heard what God has prepared for those who love him. I'm looking forward to that day and this is my faith. How about you, my friend? Eden will be restored. The earth is made new. And we are looking forward to that. See, heaven, according to the Bible, is a real place. Because it's a new heaven, a new earth. It's like a, everything from scratch that God will build a new planet, a new, everything will be renewed. And just like in the Garden of Eden, but maybe... Even better, because there will be more people enjoying. So what do we know about this heaven? Do we know much? Well, first of all, it's going to be a real place. It's actual place, and it's going to be a place of joy and happiness. In Matthew 25, Jesus says, Well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful over a little. 
and I will set you over much. Enter into the joy of your master. Did you notice that word? That little word joy? Heaven will be a happy place. Can you imagine a place where there is no sadness, no anxiety, no depression, no fear? It's happiness and joy every day. Heaven is a real place. Heaven is a, is a happy place. There's going to be no more tears, no more sorrow, no more sickness, no more COVID. Can you say amen to that? COVID took away some of my dear friends in ministry, pastors that I worked with for years. They were laid to rest because COVID intensified their health condition and we are looking forward to the glorious day of resurrection because there will be no more, no more COVID. What else do we know about heaven? One thing I know about heaven that we will be blown away by what we see. Nobody ever could ever even imagine what God has prepared for those who love him. Eye has not seen, no ear heard, no have entered into the heart of men <laughs> in our wildest dreams and imaginations, the things which God has prepared for those who love him. Do you love him today? Have you turned your life completely over to him? I wonder what's holding you, my friend. We've learned that this world cannot satisfy. This world cannot guarantee the, any way to deal with fear and the problems that are within us. The only way that we can be restored is when Jesus comes and he makes everything new. It says, I has not seen, no ear heard, no have entered into the heart of man. We have no idea. We will be blown away. So heaven is a real place, number one. Heaven is a happy place, number two. Heaven will be an amazing place, number three. It will be blown away. Even when people are trying to decide what it's going to be like. Well, we have some indicators. And the only indicator that we can be really certain about is that Jesus will be there, the King of kings and the Lord of lords. Is he your best friend today? I'm just thinking about one evening when Jesus says, I want to take a walk with you by the river of life. Why don't we spend evening together? And as we walk, he will hug me, he will hug you, and he'll say, I'm so glad you're here. There were times when I was worried about you. I saw you struggling. I saw you dealing with, with that temptation or that problem or that doubt, and I tried to send you help by Holy Spirit, by people in your life that would try to to encourage you, try to support you, and try to help you. I was, I was so uh, 
concerned that you would not fall away. And I'm so glad that you decided to hold on by faith to me even during that time. See, when the clouds are thick, the sun is still there. When the problems are piling up in your life, God is still there. He's still there because his promise is faithful. He is coming soon to take you home. And he wants you and me to stay the course, to trust in him. See, living without fear is impossible. Basically, the title of our series is kind of unrealistic. We all have fears. We all dealing. We are all dealing with stuff um, like doubts and and temptations, and you, you name it. But then Jesus says, "You just believe in me. You just keep holding on. You just keep turning back to me. You just keep keep coming back. Keep getting up. Don't give up. Don't give up. The day is coming." So heaven is a real place. Heaven is a happy place. Heaven is going to be an amazing place. And number four is heaven is the place where Jesus is king. Do you want to be in the country where Jesus is a president? Do you want to be in his kingdom? I want to be there. So how do we get there? How do we get there, my friend? Well, we are living in a time that is called in the Bible the time of the end. Time of the end. And the most significant thing about this time is that Jesus is our high priest in the heavenly sanctuary. So how to get to heaven? It's by turning to our high priest, Jesus, who is serving on our behalf, by confessing our sins, by turning to him and trusting in him, heaven is free for those who want to take it. While we have this time, before the things started developing like they will, before the things start crumbling down, and the last day events, they follow each other in rapid succession. Today is the day. To turn to the high priest in heavenly sanctuary, his name is Jesus, and ask him to forgive us and to cleanse us and to lead us and guide us. By the way, the eternal life and heaven begins today. It begins by you and me starting that daily walk with Jesus, that relationship with Christ. When he said, in the upper room, six times, abide, abide, abide. See, Christian life is like a three-legged stool. Christian life has this principle of abiding. And you do it by three things, basically. Just to simplify it for you. Prayer, the study of the Word, and sharing Christ. Those are three things that will show to the world and show to you and me that we are abiding in Christ. The essence of Christianity is relationship. 
So when Jesus comes and we inherit by his grace the new heaven and new earth, that relationship only continues. That's why the kingdom of God begins today. It begins right now. See, when God's people were in diaspora, and uh, I'm talking about the nation of Israel, uh, they were, you know, trying to celebrate the, the festivals the, to the best ability they could, especially like Passover, because they couldn't, couldn't have a Passover lamb, because God said only in the temple you can sacrifice the lamb, but the temple was now taken over. And so, and then Yom Kippur would, would be the Day of Atonement, would be a great festival, so they felt like they were always limited. And they felt like they are not really home. And their dream was to come home. So you, remember, you know, at, at the very end of the festival, there is a special closing prayer that included one special request. And that request was, Lord, can we please celebrate a next new year? In Jerusalem. Because Jerusalem was home. And Bible tells me that Jerusalem, the heavenly Jerusalem, is our eternal home. So my prayer as we close this seminar, my prayer as we close this series of Bible studies about living without fear, my prayer is that by God's grace, we would be gathered and welcoming a new era <laughs> in heavenly Jerusalem. Wouldn't that be wonderful? The promise that Jesus made to his disciples in the upper room, I will come again, is true. And we would greet each other with the same prayer if we think about the heavenly Jerusalem, our true home. We're not home yet. This world is not our home. And while many Christians today, they look into earthly Jerusalem and restoring things in Jerusalem and things that are happening in Jerusalem, we, as Bible-believing Christians, we focus on the heavenly Jerusalem. Because that's the promise that is given to us, that Jesus will come down with the city. Do you want to be there? Let's read from Revelation chapter 22. This is the Jerusalem that Bible is talking about. And he showed me a pure river of water of life, clear as crystal, proceeding from the throne of God and the Lamb. In the middle of its street and on each side of the street of the river, there was a tree of life, which bore 12 fruits, Logan, each tree yielding its fruit every month. Can you imagine the rainbow there? And the leaves of the tree were for the healing of the nations. And there shall be no more curse. But the throne of God and of the Lamb shall be in it. And his servants shall serve him. They shall see his face and his name shall be on their foreheads. There shall be no night there. They need no lamp nor light of the sun, for the Lord gives them light, and they shall reign forever and ever. A new year in Jerusalem. Wouldn't that be wonderful?
Let us pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for the promise of a new city. We thank you for the promise of the new heaven and earth. Father, help us to treasure your words. And when we go through difficult times, help us to hold on by faith to the words that you have given to us, the promises of new heaven and earth. Father, help us to go through the times that are before us, trusting in you, holding on to your promises and never giving up. Father, I pray that you would strengthen each believer. Everyone who is watching this program, I pray, Father, that you would keep their faith even stronger. Lord, you know our journeys. You know the things we are facing day to day. Sometimes it can be just overwhelming. Sometimes it seems like it's too much and we cannot, cannot bear anymore. But Father, I pray that you would send your angels to lead us on, to help us in this journey so that we would make it by your grace to that great finish line. And we can say with Paul, I have finished the race and I have kept the faith. And now there is a crown that is prepared for me and not just for me, but for all those who loved his appearing. Help us to have faith like Paul. Help us to trust in you, Lord, and to overcome fear with faith. Come, Lord Jesus. We want to be in your kingdom. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you, friends, for joining us. Thank you for being with us throughout this uh, seminar, 10 meetings and uh, 10 studies. I hope it was, it was helpful in your Christian walk. May God continue to bless you and guide you. If you would like to subscribe to our YouTube channel or um, follow us on, on Facebook, we would like to stay in touch. God bless.